What is the Common Good is a production of the University Church in Oxford. For more information, visit universitychurch.ox.ac.uk. Central to the process of seeking the common good is the practice of reconciliation, literally the reuniting of people who have been divided and the restoration of healthy relationships. Reconciliation can be a political aim, especially in the aftermath of conflict, drawing together a divided society. Or it can take place at a more local, intimate level between friends and family. Reconciliation is a noble ambition, commended to us in the Bible and by Jesus himself. But it is also a complex and often difficult process, lasting over many generations. In this podcast, I'm joined by Matthew Murphy, Oxford History graduate and now intern to the Bishop of Coventry, to talk about how reconciliation might help us understand the common good. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Sarah. Pleased to join you. So for you, Matthew, reconciliation is crucial to seeking the common good. And I wondered if you could explain why you see them as so deeply connected. Yeah, well, many people, I think, would argue that finding the common good in a pluralistic or a modern society is difficult, perhaps even to the extent that any attempt to determine the common good is bound to lead to conflict or oppression. So I would argue that, as a result, the reconciliation of people and ideas and aspirations must lie at the heart of any political or civic process which attempts to find the common good. And the corollary, I think, is that any process of reconciliation itself should be driven by a determination to build a common good. So I'm of the view, I think, that both reconciliation and the common good as concepts can be somewhat sort of vacuous or even stagnant without each other. So reconciliation has to take seriously the divisions we've experienced in the past, and it can help us find a way to move beyond them. Yeah, I think that's right. So my starting point on the relationship between the common good and reconciliation is actually a bit pessimistic, I think. Uh, And I sort of had to think a lot about how to move forward from that. So I grew up in Northern Ireland in the aftermath of the Good Friday Agreement, which of course brought about peace, but I think more in the sense of peace as the absence of war. And divisions between communities remain quite deeply entrenched, as we know. And as a teenager, I wondered whether our civic discourse, seemingly sort of saturated with never-ending talk of reconciliation and community relations, might actually be holding back some sort of meaningful discussion on how to grow our economy or actually finding a common good. So I think I wanted to move forwards, perhaps even to the extent that I wanted to uproot the sort of cultural and religious identities which actually seemed to be holding us back. So you were concerned that the language of reconciliation might be part of the problem rather than the solution? Maybe. Um, I think I knew that there was work to be done, uh, but that we had to sort of learn to find what united us rather than always looking over our shoulders. But we've made huge progress since then in terms of finding a shared purpose or even a common good 
uh, political differences notwithstanding. And it's been quite fascinating thinking about that here in Coventry too, where the cathedral has quite a remarkable ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, Coventry's become a really important centre for reconciliation. And I wonder if you could tell us more about the ministry of Coventry Cathedral. Yeah, so coming to Coventry, I'm actually aware of how we can draw strength and inspiration from a process of reconciliation in a, in a positive sense. So we've got the ruins of the cathedral, uh, which was bombed in the Blitz of November 1940, juxtaposed by a striking new cathedral built in the 50s. And the most important thing for me, I think, is that the new cathedral is not just a monument to itself, but it sort of represents the community's mission to build bridges, especially with Germany, and in particular with the city of Dresden, with whom we are twinned. And the cathedral, I would say, has not been shy in its support for what we might call the European project, which I think it would see as quite a good example of reconciliation and the common good actually working together. And what's most inspiring to me about the cathedral and the bishop's reconciliation ministry is that they aren't consumed by the specifics of our history with Germany, but they sort of want to share this gift of reconciliation with the city and with the world, especially through the community of the Cross of Nails, which is a global network of over 200 churches, charities, schools, and so on. And they work for peace and reconciliation in their own contexts but they draw inspiration and support from Coventry. And that helps these individual communities to flourish. But it also draws them into a much wider purpose, which is happening on a global scale. So does that mean that you see reconciliation differently now? And you see now how practices of reconciliation can be important for building a functioning and flourishing society? Indeed, I think so. The common good and reconciliation I, I see as sort of mutually reinforcing, not just in a war-torn context, but also in our supposedly stable Western society. When I think about successful reconciliation, I think about groups of people with differences coming together to produce something which is greater than the sum of their parts. So some argue that the common good can only be established within a small unit or a constituency, like a country, because that's the only way we'll ever find agreement. But I, I've come to think that that's a bit of a contradiction, that the common good, although it might exist on different levels, cannot ultimately be bounded. Which, of course, doesn't mean that we have to do away with boundaries or nation states or religious identities, but that we see these particulars as always capable of contributing to something greater, which actually, in turn, I think, sustains those identities. So it's based on that premise that we might be able to say, for example, that some global problems, like climate change, actually require local solutions because our common good exists on different levels. And that's why, um, to go back to Northern Ireland, I think that the reconciliation of our identities can only really get so far if it is regarded as an end in itself, detached from an aspiration to build the common good. That's really interesting. And I wonder if you think there's still a role for Christianity in helping to build the common good through reconciliation. Yeah, well, um, I certainly think Christianity might just be able to do a bit of a better job than politics these days. Um, I think that fundamentally, the instructions which Christians are given to be reconciled with each other and with God sort of embeds this idea 
this idea very firmly in our everyday lives. And that makes it quite a bit more than just a rite of passage for sort of sad cases in our world, like Northern Ireland, important though these contexts are. And Christian ideas make this task of reconciliation a lot easier, but also more demanding, because we are sort of continually encouraged, I think, to keep a bit of a distance from our cultural identities and to keep God's universality present in our minds. And finally, I'd say I quite like how the Croatian theologian, uh, Miroslav Volf, explains his idea of a Catholic community of churches. He says that just as every local church is part of a wider Catholic community, so every local church is itself a Catholic community in the sense that all other churches are part of that local church and they shape its identity. So I think that's useful for explaining uh, what I was saying earlier, which is this idea that our identities can work together to shape something bigger than ourselves, but also that our identities are themselves shaped and sustained by that sort of wider frame, um, which sort of explains this problem, which I think sort of people have with the common good in today's world, which is, is, is not so much that we can't agree on what it is, but that we can't quite decide where it fits or on what level it exists. And I think Christian theology and ecclesiology might actually have something to teach us about resolving that. So reconciliation perhaps can only ever be part of the story. We need to see it as a means to a richer, more meaningful sense of the common good, perhaps. Yeah, that's right. So I think if we want true and lasting reconciliation, then we need to see it not as patching up conflict, but as a sort of a step towards building a more genuine harmony that still allows for diversity. I think we've trained ourselves into thinking, and usually in sort of exceptional circumstances, that we need to sort of set aside our differences for the sake of the common good. But actually, if it is to bring about real human flourishing, then reconciliation must allow for differences of opinion and identity to actively serve the common good. And that for me is a sort of source of hope for the future. Thank you, Matthew. That's been fascinating. And very best wishes for your continuing work with the Bishop of Coventry. Thanks for listening. This episode featured Professor Sarah Mortimer, tutor in modern history at Christchurch, and Matthew Murphy, a recent history graduate, member of the congregation, and now an intern to the Bishop of Coventry. Music and sound design by Nicholas Alexander. <laughs>